Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven. Today, things are going to be a little different. Whatever respiratory bug is going around, and I think there are several, has fallen upon the Wright household. And so I'm Adam Wright, coming to you live, but not from our studios this morning. So let's begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God, Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. Through the mercy of God, may the souls of the faithful departed rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you can probably hear it in my voice that uh, I have, I've got the respiratory bug now, too. Uh, It started overnight for me last night, but what a joy it is, as we just prayed in our morning offering, to offer the joys and sufferings of the day, and uh, you know, I was talking with the kids last night to say, hey, we've got an opportunity here. I know it's not pleasant to be sick, but we have an opportunity to offer some suffering for the souls in purgatory, which is especially fitting in this month of November. On the show today, we're going to revisit our conversation with Father Wade Menezes on the season of Advent. We're also talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby about St. Clement and the early church fathers and popes, and uh, he's got some exciting stories for us in that. Plus, we have a few other things for you as usual, and it wouldn't be Roadmap to Heaven if we didn't go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Saturninus. Born in Greece around the beginning of the 3rd century, Saturninus grew up to be a priest and a missionary. In 245, Pope Fabian sent him to Gaul to help St. Trophimus develop the church in the region, and in just five years, they had enough followers to establish a diocese in Toulouse, where Saturninus was the first bishop. To get to their new church, the converts had to pass before several altars dedicated to pagan gods. As the numbers of Christians increased, pagan priests grew increasingly hostile to those passing by their pagan altars without paying anything, saying that the oracles had been silenced by the presence of the new Christians. In 257, the pagan priest had Saturninus arrested and tried to get him to deny his faith by worshiping their gods, but he repeatedly refused, saying, I adore one God only, and to him I am ready to offer a sacrifice of praise. Your gods are devils and are more delighted in the sacrifice of your souls than those of your bulls. How can I fear them who, as you acknowledge, tremble before one single Christian? Seeing they could not force Saturninus to recant, they tied him to a wild bull, which dragged him through the town until the rope broke, by which time he had long been dead. Two Christian women buried his remains in a deep ditch over which a small chapel was built in the 4th century, and then in the 14th century, a larger church was built and named Our Lady of the Bull. St. Saturninus, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. 
Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Last week, we well, not last week, yesterday, we started a conversation that we had last week with Father Wade Menezes, and we've been talking about the season of Advent. We're happy to bring you the second part of that conversation today. I think of the many great Advent offerings we have locally in uh, in my area. We have many parishes where the women of the parish gather for what they call Advent by candlelight or Advent by tea light, and it, it's really just an evening of reflection. They have a priest or another speaker Beautiful. come and lead them, and, and the whole room is dark, and it's illuminated only by the candles on the table, and it's it's very peaceful and reflective. Now, for the men, uh, we tailgate. We have our fire pits instead of our candles, and we're out in the church parking lot. But again, we have we have the priest or, or the pastor or another person come and give a reflection, and we have that time in the quiet outdoors in the cold, and it, it really is wonderful. And, Father, you, you've gone uh, to say many times it's not as strict as Lent, but if we are striving for peace during this season and in quiet and reflection and a, a somberness and a solitude, I think of— all of the to-do lists that creep up in all of our lives. I have to get my shopping done. I have to get ready for this party. I've been invited yeah. to this gathering. You know, to paraphrase Andy Williams, as I do terribly every year, instead of the most wonderful time of the year, it's what's the most craziest time of the year in terms of schedule. And I think we would be doing very, we would do well to heed your words and make Advent what it's supposed to be, a time of reflection and a time of quietness. Well, one thing I like to tell my listeners is, whether in person at the parish missions, retreats, or conferences, or here on the radio with Open Line Tuesday, or with yourself, or with other stations that I guest on, there's one thing that Lent does share with Advent, and that Advent shares with Lent. Discipline. Discipline, right? For the spiritual life to live truly and sincerely the themes of the particular liturgical season in question. And that's very important. You know, the 1969 General Norms for the Liturgical Year, number 39, tells us this, quote, Advent has a twofold character. As a season to prepare us for Christmas when Christ's first coming to us is remembered, and as a season when that remembrance then directs the mind and heart to await Christ's second coming at the end of time. Advent is thus a period for devout and joyful expectation. Let's say the person hasn't been to confession for many years, or maybe five years, maybe two years. What a beautiful time to prepare your soul to receive Jesus Eucharistically into your heart and mind, spiritually, as well as literally in his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist, by making a good, holy, reverent confession sometime at the beginning of Advent, its first part, surely, and then again in its latter part, which is just as important. Uh, regarding the whole liturgical year, which remember the first Sunday of Advent, I, I think we said this at the beginning, Adam, this hour, but Advent inaugurates not only this new liturgical season per se, but it inaugurates the new liturgical year. So this year, the first Sunday of Advent is the 27th of November. So that's our New Year's Day as Catholic Christians, really. So you want to talk about making resolutions for the new year? Because our human life should revolve around the beauty of the entire liturgical year and all of its seasons, really for, for Catholic Christians, in particular for Christians in general, the New Year's Day uh, is the first Sunday of Advent, again, November 27th this year, 
It's our New Year's Day to make those resolutions, whatever they might be, spiritual resolutions, uh, temporal resolutions. I'm going to be a more careful driver, for example. Let's say I'm not going to be so rushed when I'm driving. Or something spiritual, like I am going to try to make it to confession once a month, 12 times a year faithfully. That's a beautiful thing to do. And then on January 1st, the secular calendar year, which is the great solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, it's the eighth celebration octave day of Christmas, December 25th to January 1st it's the octave day, we want to be able to go ahead and and renew those resolutions on the calendar day of January 1st and unite our Blessed Mother Mary in guiding us to be faithful to those resolutions. Vatican II and Sacrosanctum Concilium, which is the document on the Sacred Liturgy, number 102 says this, within the cycle of a whole year, the Church unfolds the whole mystery of Jesus Christ, recalling thus the mysteries of our redemption. The Church opens up to all the faithful the riches of her Lord's powers and merits, so that these are in some way made present for all time, and the faithful are enabled to lay hold of them and become filled with saving grace. Oh my gosh, Adam, husbands and fathers, wives and mothers, young single people at college, the diocesan priest, the religious order priest, the active nun, the cloistered nun, the retired grandparent, the recently widowed grandparent, the, the grandparent who's still living with their spouse after 68 years. What a beautiful quote calling us to the holiness that God himself, our triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the redemption of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, calls us to live that. Uh, again, within the cycle of a whole year, Holy Mother Church unfolds the whole mystery of Christ, recalling thus the mysteries of our redemption. The Church opens to all the faithful the riches of her Lord's powers and merits, so that these are in some way made present for all time, and the faithful are enabled to lay hold upon them and become filled with saving grace. And it's Advent that kicks this reality off for us. And that's a very beautiful thing. Two quick quotes from two saints, and then I'd like to talk maybe a little bit about the, the latter part of Advent. St. Charles Borromeo, post-Council of Trent saint, great bishop, fearless, absolutely fearless in his love for the church, his teachings of, of the church, his leadership as a bishop, great man. He says this, Beloved, now is the acceptable time spoken of by the Holy Spirit in Scripture. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of the Lord. This is the day of peace. This is the day of reconciliation of our hearts to God. This great season of Advent. He's quoting 2 Corinthians 2.16 there. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of the Lord. We don't know if we're going to be living this afternoon at 5 o'clock apart from a sudden heart attack. We don't know if we're going to be living tomorrow apart from a sudden car accident. We don't know. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of the, day of the Lord here and now. This is the time for salvation, for peace, for reconciliation with one's God, the triune Godhead. And, and again, he was fearless in giving the truth of the faith. And St. Mary Euphrasia, regarding the liturgical season of Advent, a, a wonderful, fearless female saint of the church, she says this, let us not allow this holy season of Advent to slip by without spiritual fruit. No, it is the time of salvation. Let us profit from us. It reminds me of, of Ephesians 5.16, make the most of your present opportunity for these now are evil days and we are called to sanctify them and make them holy. Uh, kind of like what you were just saying, Adam, let us not get the shopping, the baking, the company or business Christmas parties get in the way, especially during the last two weeks of Advent or so 
where the the baking really revs up, the company parties really rev up, and the drinking revs up at those company parties. Not that there's anything wrong with an occasional drink, but you know we don't want to let these things subdue us and overcome us and overtake us. We will be bringing you the rest of that conversation with Father Wade Menezes tomorrow here on the show. If you missed yesterday's portion of that, well, just check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast wherever you get your podcast or visit ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R, catholicradio.org, and uh, you can click on the program's link, and it'll be right there for you. We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Father Jeffrey Kirby. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are wrapping up this month of November, talking with Father Kirby on Tuesdays with one more saint for you, St. Clement. He's one of the early uh, popes and fathers of the church. And Father Kirby, I'm going to let you in on, on something. When my wife and I were expecting our firstborn, I was really pushing for the name James, but particularly for the Irish version of that, Seamus. And so I, I had this this ploy, for, for better or for worse, that every Sunday we'd come home for Mass and I'd say, oh, so many wonderful names we heard during the Eucharistic prayer. Peter, Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus. And, you know, when I was like, well, how, how about Chrysogonus or how about Cletus or how about Sixtus? She's like, no. And I'm like, how about James? And she's like, I like James. We're not here to talk about James this morning. Uh, kind of overlooked in that whole litany we just went through there is Clement. And he's one of our early popes and fathers in the church. So, uh, Father Kirby, first off, good to have you back with us on this Tuesday. What do we know about St. Clement. Yes, oh, what a powerful figure in the early church and, and, and a real hero and witness to our, our, our faith. Uh, so Pope Clement was, uh, was the fourth pope, the, the third successor of St. Peter. He would have shepherded the church, we, we suspect, in the, in the early 90s. And really at, at a time where anyone who was named pope, the, the, the first 32 popes died martyrs. So if you were elected bishop of Rome, you knew you were going to die for the faith. And it was understood as the apostolic blood. So when Clement was elected pope, he knew that at some point uh, he would give his life for the, for the faith. And, and so he shepherded the church at a difficult time. Uh, there were challenges and difficulties uh, in Rome and throughout the church. Uh, but, but he um, did all that was asked of him. And, and when the time came, uh, we know that, uh, that he died a martyr. And, and I'll say what's, what's interesting in terms of our tradition for Clement is uh, the Corinthians— and, you know, those Corinthians that, that Paul wrote two letters to, uh, the Corinthians challenge their local bishop. They actually kicked them out of the city. And John, the apostle, still alive and closer to the Corinthians, closer to Corinth. And yet the ousted bishop and, and his priest appealed to Clement in Rome. And Clement wrote a letter to them and basically said, you take your bishop back. And, and that early on shows us how much the office of Peter was respected, even when a living apostle was still there and closer than the successor of Peter. You know, this sheds light on a question that has come up more and more recently, and it's, and it's that idea of governance of the church that, you know, we have lay people who can 
serve in administrative functions. They do it in offices around the world every day. We have lay people that can serve in roles of governance. They do it in governments around the world every day. And we have lay people who can serve as teachers. You know, how many teachers did we have that were lay people when we were in school? But when it comes to the life of the church, there is something about the order and and specifically holy orders and that role of teacher, sanctifier, and governor, that it's not just about administration and governance, but it's about something sacred happening. And I think that story you just told about St. Clement saying, hey, listen, you got to take your bishop back. That's a very important lesson for us. Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you, this is an important lesson in many ways, Adam, because oftentimes maybe people are frustrated in the parish because the way the priest runs the parish or they're frustrated with the way that the bishop runs the, the diocese or, or, or whatever it is. And it's important that that point you're making, which is the person that's called as the catechism of the Catholic Church says, uh, he, he, he himself is the, the, the man, the priest, the bishop is, is himself bruised and broken, is holding you know, heavenly treasure and earthen vessels, St. Paul would say. And his role uh, as governor of, of, of you know, shepherd or, or the one who's caring for, you know, the temporal well-being of the church, that's just one of three duties he has. And, and the reason why he has that is because the grace of holy orders and his theological training are supposed to help him to govern the patrimony and the tithe of God's people with a theological vision. With, with the teachings of the church in mind. So his first duty as bishop or first duty as priest is, is to sanctify, to give the sacraments, to, you know, to, to provide opportunities for the people of God to grow in, in holiness. And then it's to teach the faith, so to preach and to teach and to provide opportunities for uh, Christian formation. And then it's to govern. And so you know, sometimes the bishop or, or pastor might not be the best governor. Uh, oftentimes that's why the prudent ones call together councils and, and, and lay people who are baptized and skilled in different areas, finance, law, you know, all these different areas, and, and receives counsel from baptized members with these skills. But then at the end of the day, he's the one who has to make the decision because of the grace of his vocation, the grace of holy orders, and his theological training. Because I'll tell you, Adam, I've sat in meetings before with baptized people who are well-trained who basically say, we're giving too much for the poor. We have to kind of you know, stop this. We need to redirect money to here. We need to, you know, feed the endowment. We need to do this. And what they're saying is prudent in their fields, but it's disaster in terms of the gospel. You know what I mean? So, so sometimes, you know, all the skills and all the different perspectives are needed and that theological training and the grace of orders is, is, is important. Let me say this just in terms of, of, of Clement and, and how he, you know, shepherded the church. He was known during his pontificate to be extremely accessible to the people of Rome. Uh, at, at that time, you know, the, the, you know, the, the papacy hadn't developed to w- what it is today, obviously. And so it was common that the Bishop of Rome would visit, the Pope would visit different communities. And much of that was enhanced and developed on, under the time of, of Pope Clement, that he wanted to see the different congregations, you know, the different parishes uh, that were throughout the city of Rome. So that, that is very important. And, and by the way, you know, we think about our parishes being named after saints. To imagine this, Adam, when Pope Clement was visiting local communities, they were called after saints because that's where the saint was literally buried, right? So they're always oh, going to St. Cecilia's parish because that was the congregation around where St. Cecilia the martyr was buried, right? Yeah. And, and as the church grew, we just continued to follow that custom. 
which is why traditionally relics are in the altars of, of, of churches because of, of this tradition. But, but Clement was the one who started that. And let me just say this, when the New Testament was being brought together by the early fathers, it was a huge debate on whether or not Clement's letter should be uh, included in the New Testament. And, and, and if I can just tell this story, I think people might find this very interesting and, and hopefully give them encouragement in terms of the credibility and the truthfulness of the New Testament, that the reason why Clement's letter, which, by the way, predated the Gospel of John, the reason why Clement's letter was not admitted into the New Testament is because the, the conditions were it had to be an eyewitness or his first-generation disciple. And Clement was the, the third successor of Peter. He didn't make the cut. So here Clement's giving us some really rich perspectives of the early church. And again, John's gospel comes after uh, the letter of Clement, but the early church took it very seriously that, no, we want an eyewitness or the first generation in order to make sure, and of course, guided by the Holy Spirit, to make sure that this New Testament has the complete and true teachings and life of Jesus Christ. Wow. Father, I want, I want to leave you with this because I love etymology sometimes, and as we've been talking, I, I couldn't help but think that in some of our prayers, um, you know, especially when we sing the Salve Regina, if we sing it in Latin, um, one of the things we sing is O Clemens, and the, the etymology of that. So I looked up the word Clement, and when we talk about a person or a person's actions, the word Clement means merciful, but it also showed that when we talk about the weather, we're talking about a mild day. We, we think of inclement weather uh, when we have a lot of snow or storms or whatever it may be. And, you know, I, I wonder if we could also take that lesson, just as you said, Pope Clement was accessible, just as you said that he was, um, you know, telling the people this is how you have to live the life of holiness. If we can go out and be that, we can go out and be merciful, we can be accessible, we can bring that light of our faith to everyone we encounter. And I also have to chuckle, Father, because you mentioned, you know, sometimes we might be saying to ourselves, oh, I don't know why uh, so-and-so did that. I could certainly do that better. And it's always a reminder for me to pray for our bishops and pray for our popes, because even going back to the first pope, St. Peter, even St. Paul had a moment where they said, hey, I disagree with you on this. And and St. Peter said, yeah, well, let's talk it out here. And, you know, sure enough, you have the first church consul. Um, what, what a wonderful thing it is. Uh, but a, a good reminder for us to pray for our priests and our, our bishops and for the Holy Father each and every day, because they have a weighty task on their shoulders. And I think sometimes we forget that and we forget the supernatural implications of their role as teacher, sanctifier, and governor. Um, Father, could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Yes, yes, let, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the shepherds that you have raised up to teach, govern, and sanctify us. We ask that you continue to guide them, lift up their spirits, grant them your wisdom. We ask these and all good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Here's a catechist question for you today. In that segment with Father Wade earlier, he made mention of making a good confession 12 times a year, once a month. 
what is, here's the catechist question for you, what is a good reminder for us to do so? In fact, there's one coming up this Saturday. The answer is the First Saturday Devotion. And why do we say that? Well, as part of the First Saturday Devotion, the Blessed Mother asks us to do what? She asks us to pray the Rosary. She asks us to meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the Rosary. She asks us to go to Mass and receive Holy Communion. And she asks us to make a good confession. And if you are not in a state of grace, it is very important that you make that good confession before attending Holy Mass so that you can receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, lest we commit the sin of sacrilege. So it's not you know, an official teaching that you have to go 12 times a year. But the Blessed Mother asks us to go for the first Saturday devotion. And we have 12 first Saturdays throughout the year. And as we often say, the first Saturday devotion, we, we do five consecutive first Saturdays. The first Friday devotion, we do nine consecutive first Fridays. And uh, then we just repeat. We don't stop after five. We don't stop after nine. We just keep going. So reminder that this coming Friday is the first Friday of the month of December. And so we have our devotions to the Sacred Heart. And then Saturday is the first Saturday of December. And for those of you looking for a place to publicly make your first Saturday devotions, I will be out at St. Cletus Parish in St. Charles, Missouri with the Legion of Mary. There will be Holy Mass at 8 a.m., followed by recitation of the Holy Rosary. And then at 9 a.m., I'll be leading Reflections on the Magnificat of the Blessed Mother and how our souls can proclaim the greatness of God. That's all coming up this Saturday. We're going to take one last break for you here, and then we'll wrap up after this. Are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-CatholicRadio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. It's Tuesday, and it's a good time to pause for our daily dose of encouragement. And here this week, we are talking with Patty Schneier about fear and anxiety. Well, yesterday, again, I had to give full disclosure. I cannot offer, I'm not an expert on, on this topic of fear at all. However, I've gained a lot of insight from other people, and mostly I gain insight, of course, always from sacred scripture and God's word himself. Whenever I am afraid of anything, this is one of my go-to scriptures. So I want to encourage everyone to look this up. It's Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. You've heard this before. It's read at Mass, but it's always worth repeating. This is from Sacred Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again. Rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. Now, I know many people will say, I don't feel like the Lord is near when I'm in the middle of experiencing great fear. 
Try today to maybe look this scripture verse up, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Write it down. Have it on your refrigerator. Have it on your mirror in the bathroom. But I think the second part is really important, that you have to start thinking about whatever is pure and good and lovely and gracious and honorable. You might need to write those down, journal about those things, and see if that could be a help for you in whatever it is that you might be experiencing that is fearful. Philippians 4, 4 through 9, that's where we go today. So, Patty, I, I want to thank you for this encouragement, and I'm going to go write that down. Otherwise, I will forget. Until tomorrow, we look forward to continuing this week with you. Well, once again, that reminder that in addition to this being the first week of Advent, we do have First Friday and First Saturday devotions coming up this weekend. So make those plans now for how you're going to observe those devotions. If I could ask you to pray for our family and for the families of all who are sick right now, if your local school is anything like our kids' school, I mean, about half of the kids, it sounds like, are out of school with some sort of respiratory bug going around. I think there's actually a couple of them. But if you wouldn't mind praying for our family, we'll be praying for yours when we pray our rosary today. It would be very much appreciated. And let's pray especially for those who go without care, those who are perhaps homeless or those who are without medical attention, those who have no one to pray for them. We can do that work of charity in our prayer today and remember them in our intentions. So uh, tomorrow on the show, I'm just going to say this. If you like Father Wade, well, good news. We're going to wrap up with Father Wade tomorrow. And if you like Dr. Scott Hahn, well, we're not going to have Dr. Scott Hahn on, but just as good, we're going to have his co-worker and collaborator, Dr. John Bergsma from the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. Uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rejoice in every opportunity to go and suffer for the kingdom of God. And if you're suffering today, let's uh, suffer together and unite our sufferings for the souls in purgatory. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thank you for listening to this morning's episode of Roadmap to Heaven. Be sure to check us out on the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to pray your rosary today.